Please note, this episode references mental health issues. If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed, find helpful support links in the show notes. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. I'd like to ask, where in Italy are you? I'm actually in the centre of Italy, just outside of Rome. It's a very small city outside. Like You'll think of Rome, like, oh yeah, massive, but... um like 45 minutes away from the main city and it's like a small town so it's not as glamorous as Rome but well, I'm sure it's more glamorous than what I'm looking at right now oh, honestly I'm just very thankful for the sun at the moment you know yeah. and is the place that you're you are is that where your family are from yes yeah, so I know I have a bit of a mixed um sort of I not identity but like I'm half Scottish half Italian mm-hmm. um I'm I have Italian blood basically but I was born in Glasgow because yes. years ago um my grandparents because obviously as per usual there's crisis in Italy as since the beginning of time and my grandparents moved to Glasgow for work years and years ago and then they had their kids so that was my mom and my my dad as well was born there and um I ended up being born there as well, but I grew up in Italy over here, and then I moved back for much. It's I'm like back with back and forth all the time, wow. but um, I do like to say that I'm both um, Scot. I'm a Scottish Italian basically because I do. Yeah. I I was born there, and I did. I have lived there, so I do feel I have that Scottish <laughs> in me as well. You know, yeah, of course. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. And I, I should yeah. say, I guess I should actually tell people who I'm talking to. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm delighted to be speaking to Danila Marzilli all the way from Italy on this fine Wednesday morning. And this is just the joy of yeah. remote podcasting. Um, although we would have probably have done it in real life when you were back in Glasgow, but um, we are currently yeah. in strange times. And I'm sure we'll get onto that subject oh. at some point. Basically, I like I do with this podcast all the time. I discovered you on Instagram <laughs> and was just totally bowled over by some of the imagery that I saw of you. So then, of course, oh, I just I did just a wee bit of research and saw some uh-huh. lovely footage of you and was like, oh my goodness, who is this? Thank you so much. I, I said to you even before, honestly, thank you for considering me and being part of this. I'm really, I'm really honoured to be in this as well, but it's, it's, it's a new experience for me as well because um, I tend to say that I I'm, I do have silent art form, you know, so it's kind of weird for me <laughs> to speak as well. But this is great. It's great experiences to just enrich life. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much. That's so kind. No, it's an <laughs> absolute pleasure. And yeah, I guess you, like you say, you are used to expressing yourself through movement because you are a yeah. professional ballet dancer. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, just oh, is it not just the absolute dream of so many young people when so, they're wee just oh, to become is, a, a professional ballet dancer? And sometimes I don't believe it myself, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what do I do for a living? Because like, I have so many friends here. As I said to you, it's just such a small 
town mm-hmm. here. And when people ask me, well, what are you studying? They just assume, because I'm 21 now, mm-hmm. and they just assume that I'm in uni studying because it isn't the studying here like the uni lasts so long like I have my cousins here they're 30 now and they're still studying in uni you know I know I know it's it's really intense I know so people just assume that oh what do you study then I'm like oh I actually I I work you know (laughs) I work abroad and stuff and they're like oh that's really cool what do you do and I'm like oh I'm, I'm a dancer I'm a professional ballet dancer and a lot of people don't even know much about it you know it's it's crazy it's just oh my god yeah it almost seems like otherworldly I I guess like you know you see the you see ballet dancers on tv you you rarely get to meet one in real life (laughs) yeah because no one really knows what's behind or what the process is the journey to Mm. get there and stuff they just assume like oh that's cool you're just like on your tippy toes doing little turns you know oh it's easy and I'm like oh that's when I know that I need to just stop the conversation because people like, just don't know what I don't this, and I am going to give you the lowdown well yeah the joy of having a podcast Daniela because you you can give everybody all the detail and give them an absolute window into your world so yeah, you know I'm saying yeah. it was like certainly when I was growing up so, someone who loved dance went to dance from the age of kind of three four you know and just absolutely adored my dance teacher yeah. and ballet was just such a important staple for me was dance just always in your life from a young age well it, it was I have to say that I feel like it was more dance that found this sounds really cheesy but I feel like it's true I feel like it was more dance that found me rather than was me looking for it I, as I said I was born in Glasgow um, and I stayed in Glasgow until I was five years old and um, I did a few ballet classes and like little jazz classes obviously I was like five so you know like there's only so much you can do when you're five and I really really liked it and um I was also really into ice skating as well so I I was also into some sort of different art forms I've always been kind of very creative and stuff and then when I moved to Italy um I got I don't know why I, I moved to Italy without knowing a single word of Italian. I know you're five, you don't know that much, but I had no idea what I was doing. And my mum put me straight into nursery and swimming lessons and ballet classes. And I had no idea what was going on in any of these classes. Like People would have to always, like obviously they use their hands here a lot, but really need to show me what I'm meant to do. Like even swimming, I would see people would just yell at me like to move and stuff I don't know what you're saying like leave me alone so were your parents not speaking Italian in the house then well my dad would well my dad could speak English but he lost Mm -hmm. that eventually and right right now I speak in Italian to my dad and in English to my mum so it's completely split 50 50 yeah exactly well that's ideal for you being total bilingual what a skill that is in itself do you know what I mean I'm so grateful for it because I wouldn't be able to do everything I've done so far in my life without having the possibility to change between Scotland and Italy so easily because I don't have that language barrier that kind of stops me you know so when I was young I got into these classes and I didn't really know Italian very well and it's so easy and it was a process because I I learned it immediately like I don't I didn't struggle at all because in nursery your kids you just kind of interact and you pick up a few words one day, pick up. It's so easy for kids to pick up something new. So by the age of seven, I already knew how to speak absolutely fine. And it's strange because I have 
I probably sound, I don't know if I have an accent right now, but when I speak in Italian, people would never be able to say that I have a, an English accent. You know, I have two accents completely, like I speak absolutely fine without without them even knowing that I, have, I can speak another language. You know, I'm so yeah. fluent in the Yeah, both. even when you told when you were pronouncing your name to me, you know, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. she's Italian. She's yeah, yeah, for sure. Italian. And that's why people are so surprised. And um, even when people meet me in Scotland and, and they're like, oh, yeah, she looks European, you know, she looks sort of Italianish. And then I speak and you're like, oh, OK, <laughs> weird. <laughs> <laughs> you're a chameleon. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. <laughs> but anyway, so I got into these classes. I keep verging off. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, tangents are good. That's a podcast gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's something positive about it. So I got into these um, classes, right? And... My my afternoons were really busy because as soon as I finished school, because school finishes kind of late here, um, like nurseries and stuff. So around four o'clock, you're mm-hmm. out. And then I would go straight to swimming classes. I remember to go into my ballet class, I would have to, my mom would obviously come pick me up from swimming and drive me to ballet classes. And I would always be about 20 minutes late. And I know that it's so not okay. But uh, I, I was always such an active kid. I could not sit still for a bit. I needed to be doing stuff. And then I remember my dance teacher calling me and my mom and saying, oh, this is not okay, like, coming in 20 minutes late for the class, which I totally agree with. But, you know, I'm five. It, it, we weren't even doing. Yeah, you're you like, it's fine, I'll just slot in. Yeah, because <laughs> you just kind of run about. Enough, you know, you don't really do that much. But I do, I do understand both points of view. But then at that point, we kind of have a mini argument with the school about it. And then we're just kind of like, okay, never mind. Let's just stick to swimming. Because I was really good at it because I got into competitive swimming. So I did that full time almost. So I got to around about, about eight and I was already doing competitions and stuff. I think I'm still online for like, I still need to beat my little record from doing like <laughs> something. Gosh. I was really young, but you no, know, I, was, I was really good at swimming actually. And I've always been a very sporty kid. I was in the basketball teams at school. I love volleyball. I love just being active and I was very competitive <laughs> from a very young age, to be honest. <laughs> I think I still bring that with me now in my career. Well, that's but, not a bad thing. You know, it, it's good, good competition, good competition. Yeah, of it course. wasn't like, it, it's really good. It's good because it motivates you to do better, I guess. So I had that swimming classes. And I think I got to about 10 years old where they were asking for an insane amount of training. Mm. And I, I didn't even have that much time to even study and stuff. But it was so exhausting. And um, after that, I decided to take a break from it a little bit. And um, I was living, as I said, in this little town. And under my house, a new dance school opened. It was literally right under my apartment. <laughs> it was, I don't know, it found me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it so um, we were like, I, I've always pranced about in the house. I've always had music on in the house. I love music. It's a great passion. I am constantly have your phones in to this day. And I always had music in the house. I would have little ballet shoes and my little dresses. I would like to dress up. And so when this dance school opened downstairs, my mom was like, right, you're going. <laughs> Get out of the house. <laughs> but um, so I got this... Um, School and it was such. It was it's a small school. It was nothing incredibly professional. It was just one of those small private schools. And 
I went straight into I didn't do ballet straight away because that from that horrible memory I had from when I was six years old they just kind of chucked me out so I yeah. went straight into modern that's kind of like a mix of jazz lyrical jazz and commercial jazz and I absolutely loved it because the end of your shows would be so interesting it would be so fun you would have like pop music it was great it was really great I did this for two years and every year on the end of your show they would always give out a scholarship to someone that they felt was quite had potential you know and I got it after my in my second year with this small school so I must have been about 12 now yeah they gave me the scholarship so they would help you economically for the next year so I would get free jazz classes free lyrical classes and with that I was also forced to do ballet and I remember at the time I wasn't I just wanted to do my own thing like yeah we do ballet in the house and stuff but I don't know I just had a weird memory memory from it from that last year yeah, it's kind of been tainted for you and, yeah. and the thing is we know and like ballet just is like the absolute you know the grounding for all different dance yeah, styles it's yeah, just exactly. such a wonderful thing but yeah you you just decided ballet is no for me <laughs> no aha uh-huh, yeah I had that in my head and the fact that I was being forced to do it just really didn't even it just didn't appeal to me at all you know yeah so um and especially for me coming from commercial music pop and stuff where I just needed to hold on a bar for like an hour that's just no this is not interesting at all <laughs> so I started doing these classes and I remember when I joined because it was a new school and the, like the ballet they just kind of really started the courses um they had since I was 12 they had a younger course they were about nine years old eight years old and then there was older courses as well and they were about 20 years old right obviously since I was 12 I was a little bit in the middle I got I was a beginner so I went with the eight and nine year olds so I kind of stuck out a bit like a sore thumb because I'm <laughs> probably the tallest in there and then you know oh it's a bit embarrassing so I started doing these classes and oh my gosh something just must have hit me I I was so fully immersed in it I that was all I wanted to do so I got back home and I started doing like stretching I started buying uh, nice leotards I started really caring about how I appeared in classes I started finding new hairstyles how to put your hair up nice in your bun you know like 12 year old like yeah of course. I'm doing ballet kind of thing you know <laughs> and then so I started really improving in it and it got my dance teacher told me, well, you know what, you're really improving this year. I want you to do the, want you to join a class later as well with the 20 year olds. And it turned out that I was more at their level than the kids level. So I kind of left that. But again, I stuck out like a sore thumb there because I was 20, 12 and the rest of the girls were like 20 year olds. But I think that really helped me as well because because I was the youngest there it really pushed me because I wanted to be like these older girls and in my eyes they were just amazing at the time you know and so I really worked for it and more months passed and I started doing all the classes now all the ballet classes so from the five-year-old so I could really work my feet like the really basic things to then moving to the nine-year-old classes, to then moving to the advanced class. So I was doing all the classes all day. I would be exhausted, but that is what gave me strength. I yeah. finished my day and I was like, I'm really satisfied with my day. I, I loved it. And on top of that, 
I also had schoolwork as well. I remember just sitting, needing to do my homework and I would just start getting ready for class two hours before. <laughs> I would start warming up in my own house, pretending that I'm studying. And I would just kind of toddle downstairs whenever I was ready, you know. So that's how it went on. And it, this went on till I was about 15. And my dance teacher then said, listen, I don't really know what to do with you now because this has never happened to me in my teaching career that um, she really saw potential and she yeah. said to me, I can't teach you much anymore. I really want you to go out there and maybe audition for a better school, you know, maybe in Rome. And while this was happening, my mum wanted me to move back to Scotland for studying because it's, it's the future here is really difficult for jobs for I'm not just saying in dance industry because I had no idea that I was wanting to be a ballet dancer at the time I just loved it it was a hobby at the time you know yeah I didn't even know full-time training existed I had no idea what I just didn't have it in my head I just thought I needed to get through school you'd just been in your yeah I was just in my own bubble because you know I just it's such a small town here I had no idea what was out there and when my teacher said go out there and audition for something better that really opened a world to me because they brought me to do some classes in Rome and I met people my age or older they were absolutely insane which was a complete different level from the little small private school that I was at so that really opened a world to me mm. but it just sounds to me like the people in your life including your dance teacher were just wanting the best for absolutely, you like she obviously yeah. did see something in you and she didn't do that thing where she was like well I'll just you know keep quiet and I'll just keep you here you know, she obviously wanted to see you thrive because she saw that you had you had it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so, so thankful for this because if it wasn't for her saying this, I I would never probably have moved from that school. You know, it would have been too late. I wouldn't have known what was out there. And when my mum wanted to move me to Scotland, I, I remember that wasn't a really great time for me because um, I had some family problems. And then um, my mum decided she wanted to bring me to Scotland with her so that I could continue my studies and I obviously grew up here so I didn't want to leave that part of my life all my friends my yeah. school my dance school I had so many friends here like I grew up here so I didn't want to leave that but eventually I came to terms with it and we moved to Scotland and I did an extra two years of high, uh, of high school there yeah and I auditioned for some classes basically so I ended up auditioning and I got into Scottish Ballet Associates and I joined the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland their junior courses so I was doing about three four classes a week and that was just a complete different level of training for me it was I, I learned so much more about technique the importance of technique and it wasn't just about flinging your leg as high as you can it's how you bring yourself because it's discipline you know I couldn't do all the mm. things that I did in my old school where you know you would kind of laugh at the side and have obviously it's fun yeah it was obviously much more stricter because it was more um it was more in depth the training of course and that that was really really good classes that I had there I had really good teachers for the even if it was just like two hours every class this was while I was doing my high school okay. and that again that was a big big problem for me because when I moved back to Scotland I I was starting to forget English actually because I was speaking Italian 24-7 mm. 
but and I would only speak English with my mum in the house. And when she realised that I was starting to answer her back in Italian, she was like, "This is not good. <laughs> She's like, I'm not having this." And so when I moved back to Scotland for an extra two years of high school, I kind of really struggled with that at the beginning because schoolwork was so so different, very different from Italy. Um, I struggled with the writing a lot. It's, but I, I got better at it because when I I commit to something, when something's a challenge, I do commit to it and I do put my whole self to it. Yeah. So I, I did get really good grades actually by the time I auditioned for full time training. Mm. And when you you know when you were in high school, were you just then you know you'd got the bug in terms of dance that you saw that the potential for a career because obviously yeah. we were in Italy there was a period in time where you're just like, I just love this. And there wasn't that idea of when I'm older, I'm going to become a professional dancer. But then I guess coming back yeah. to Scotland, you're starting to think, oh, wait a minute, this yeah. could be something. This could be This could be something. Ah, yeah. This could be my life. I did not realise this until I actually started doing these classes. And even just getting, even going to an audition, like I remember, I will never forget my first audition for... Um, Scottish Ballet Associates oh my god I was so stressed about it even at a young age you're put in a room full of well other other people and you have a number on you I mean the fact that you're just wearing a number that they don't even know your name yeah. they just know your number you know that's a bit of a shock to the system a bit and that's when I realized I was like oh wow holy crap this is actually going somewhere even when I received the letter that I got in and I had I didn't really have that much confidence in me at the time because when I saw the difference between Italy and then the different auditions and stuff that I was starting to go to, I was like, oh my God, there is so much talent out there. It, it really did have a different perspective. I did have a different perspective of it. Yeah, when you've been the star of the show in your class, like I see that quite often and then somebody goes on to further training and it, it is a bit like, oh, I'm starting from scratch. It knocks you off uh-huh. a bit. Yeah, it really does. Oh, exactly. As you said, you do start from scratch, you feel. So even when I got this letter and in my head, I was like, I'm never going to get in. You know, it, it's fine. I'll move on to something else. When I got that letter, I was like, oh, my gosh, no way. I remember crying in the car because my mom was next to me. Oh, I'll never forget these moments. It's just the freaking waiting part for getting after an audition and getting the letter or an email. Oh, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's when I did see a bit more potential in myself. I started gaining more confidence. Ballet did start to become a really, really big part of my life, even though I was still in high school. I would start going into school with my bun already in my head. We used to already call me bunhead in school, you know. (laughs) I was that dedicated to it. And so I started auditioning for full-time training. Again, I didn't know that much about full-time training schools because I only very that was just about a year then I was thinking of getting into full-time training it was such a bit of a last minute thing because again no one else in my family has ever danced before and I've had so much support from my family and especially my parents so I know a lot of dancers like my friends that do have a bit of dance moms you know that they do know a lot about ballet and then there's me and my mom kind of going around like oh so what what's what's next you know because we didn't have we didn't have any idea so we only knew about two full-time training schools and I auditioned for the Royal Conservatory of Scotland and um, Central School of Ballet in London 
And I got into both. And that, again, is a shock to me because when you go into these full-time training school auditions, it's so demanding. Yeah. There's even more people that are even more talented and you're just, it's a constant kind of battle to try get a place in such a demanding school because you only get about 10, 15 place spots in a school, you know. It's one thing to dare to dream and put yourself forward for that. And obviously you were at a level where you know yourself, yeah, I have got the ability, but then going into those auditions, it just must have been so nerve wracking because you're thinking... Oh what is God, the actual dude. chance of me getting one of these limited yeah, spots? I could honestly write a book about that. But how nerve-wracking <laughs> just the auditioning <laughs> process is. And everyone will say the same. We all view it the same way. And obviously, people, some people are more confident about it. Some are a little less, less confident about it. It's just how you approach it on the day. So, yeah, that was a shock to me when I got into both. But I decided I wanted to stay in, in Glasgow. So I went to the Royal Conservatoire Scotland and that's when things got pretty hard. <laughs> it was it was not an easy journey those three years and looking back to it now, I'm probably like, yeah, I'm over it, it's it's fine, but it was a little bit of a trauma to me, I'm not gonna lie. It was very, very hard. It really wasn't yeah. just just the discipline that's involved yeah. in the, the, the yeah, work. It is mentally and physically exhausting. And it's not just physical. That's what I keep saying to people. It's not just physical. It really affects your mental health. It is re- literally blood, sweat and tears. I My first year was actually, I was really strong in first year mentally still because I was, you know, I was new to this and I'm, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to be dancing from literally morning to evening you didn't really stop you don't stop at all in these training uh, the training process so my first year I felt really strong and it, it was it was really great my teachers were excellent I had we have great training and the people in my year as well everyone was so supportive of each other we never had any problems in our year group we were very lucky with that because you do hear stuff out there that there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of there's a lot of bitching, especially between girls and stuff. We didn't really have that problem. We were very good because it was a smaller year group than different schools out there. So we were very, very lucky with that. We were very supportive of each other. But um, when I hit my second year, that's when I hit a bit of um, a dip in, <laughs> just in a bit in myself. I kind of lost myself a bit in my second year. It was really, really hard. Um, I fell a bit into depression, um, get a little bit, start getting body dysmorphia because it gets really demanding. You got to consider you're in front of a mirror, half naked, in a leotard all day. You know, you do get distorted yeah. images of yourself and especially what society kind of imposes, what a dancer should look like. There's all these problems as well. And it really does mess up your mind a lot. Eating disorders are a real thing as well. I can imagine. And just that comparison as well with others, yeah, you know, yeah. sizing yourself up to the, the, the people in your class and, you know, I'm as good as them, and I look it's like them. It's a constant comparing yourself from from how physically strong you are to ev- absolutely everything. Because you're in a mirror, you see, you look what's around you and you always, in your mind, there's, you start getting that little voice at the back, like, I'm really not good enough for this, this is not good you have a bad day at the beginning it usually ends in a bad day and it's it just if you have a bad day on the Monday it's probably bad on the Tuesday and you get into a cycle and that's that was my problem that was my 
issue there, I go into a cycle and I find it very difficult to get back up again. And what I regret to this day is that I started distancing myself a little bit from my year a little bit. I do feel that I probably should have spoken up a little bit more about it. I probably would have had a little bit more support. But Hindsight's a great thing though, isn't it? You know, when you're in it, it's, it's difficult to, to see the wood yeah. for the trees. Yeah, and that, I guess that kind of is what come with, comes with depression as well. You just start to isolate yourself. And I remember when I really hit rock bottom, I didn't even want to dance anymore in my head. I was, and dance was, was always been a massive part of my life. By now. It was all I wanted. And it got to the point where I would wake up with my alarm and I just, the dancing was the last thing I wanted to do. Oh gosh, that's, that's and so it, sad it, it's to so hear sad. that. It's so sad. And I couldn't believe it myself, but I just had no strength to just come to terms that I was going to have to do this today and you know it's not like it's not a sort of train that you can just skip today and I'll be fine tomorrow you have to go in you you can't you really can't skip it you know and I started, yeah it's not like when you were in Italy and you were turning up late to yeah, dance exactly. it's not it's not that level anymore you know and especially because you're always told in in um in training as well like you're going to be a professional dancer that you you are going to be a professional dancer after this and you can't do this and you can't do that and there's just rules and it's is so much discipline and you've just got to kind of obey to these rules that no one ever really said you know but it it was very hard i started going into classes but i i've always been very very confident before I would always go at the in center. I would always try aim for the front in the middle kind of thing because I wanted to. I how can I say? I was confident, but deep down, I was like, oh, I don't really want to do this. But I always pushed myself to do it because I wanted to be confident, you know. Because I know that auditions were going to come up, and if you do always go to the back and try hide, they don't want that in auditions for jobs. I know they don't want that, so I was trying to train myself. Even if it's even if it's uncomfortable, freaking do it. You have to, you know. And then yeah. that's the thing as well. You always say you you won't achieve great things if you're always in your comfort zone. You you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. But how difficult that must have been for you when you're, you know, it's one thing coming out your comfort zone when you're feeling yeah. mentally strong, but when you were actually dealing with you know your mental health and and feeling that you couldn't express yeah. how you were feeling to anyone oh, that must have been just so difficult and can I just say like I really do appreciate you being so open and honest and I think anyone listening at this point you know that has gone through any sort of kind of mental health issues and especially in the world of the arts I think it's really important for people like you because you look at the Instagram and you think oh wow yeah, look, people just put their highlights up there you know of course and that's what it is it's a highlight reel but there is a story behind every single person's journey. And I think I really admire you for being so honest and open about it. I yeah, I was a bit point. like, oh, I don't really want to talk about this maybe thing because no one wants to talk about it. It is uncomfortable. And you do feel like, oh, I've failed if I even mention it. it. I should be ashamed of this. But I feel like, especially in the arts, as you said, we need to speak up about it because you, you're always closed in your own bubble we need to open up about it it's not okay to keep it in like this you you can't live like this it's not okay to live like this and it's it's okay to be have downs and ups but it's horrible once you're in that cycle it's I remember I always when I did start to feel better I started metaphorically thinking 
of sort of sinking, right? And while I was in this process of sinking, like as if you're in deep water, I always, the way I saw it was I had to, to absolutely touch the bottom of the sea, as so metaphorically saying, to push yourself back up. You know, you had to hit absolute rock bottom to push yourself back up. If you're halfway through sinking, there's no way you can get back up. You have to, you have to hit that bit that, that that turning you. That's just like I can't be like this. Pick up, pick yourself up, woman. Come on, you're stronger than this because I've always been strong, and I felt ashamed that I that was the way that I I became like that. You know, I didn't want to be like this. But it was such a dark time. Of course, but that is the stigma that of mental health, and I think we're getting better but there's still yes. a lot of work to be done around talking about your, your mental health we all have mental health every single person has mental yes. health and we have to look after it and just the fact that you're talking about it just now that is that, a step up already is, you know so important yeah you exactly. have to accept it and there's no point trying to hide it that's just going to make it worse absolutely so I do like to help people out there because I, I have been through it and I know there's a lot of people out there that do suffer from things like this from training and in general, you know, I'm not talking about just depression. I'm talking in my Bali industry anyway, there's a lot of eating disorder issues. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of depression in general. What I can say is speak up about it because hiding it is only going to make it worse. You've got to open up about it. And the arts really do. We need to come together as a whole and make people more aware of it because we all know that there is this issue in the performing arts but we don't we always want to hide it because up there on that stage when we see such like happy performances or it, it looks it may it looks so easy when we see people performing so well but the, the, no one knows the process behind it and I feel like we really should be more aware of it out there because it's a big bad world out there you know and we're all in it together you know we're all in the same boat Absolutely. And the thing is about the arts, you know, and being a performer and being a professional dancer, there's just so much pressure that you put on yourself, never mind yeah. the industry and that constant striving for, you know, am I going to get the job? Am I going to nail the audition? There is so much pressure that is put on you by yourself and that, that world. And yeah, like you say, the audience, they don't get a window into the reality that is, it just all looks beautiful and so effortless and Obviously, there was always like a natural ability there and talent, but it, underneath that was like massive amount of hard work and dedication. I mean, being a ballet dancer, your body is put yeah, yeah, through the yeah, mill. Absolutely. And people really don't, audiences or anyone who's watching really don't know about it. A lot of people are like, yeah, you're, you're so lucky. That's amazing. That's re- you're a very lucky person. You've, you, you have this. I'm like, yeah, I really am lucky, but oh, there's sometimes I really, I really was not lucky because people don't know about it, you know. But um, so I managed to pick myself up in my second year. I started doing, throughout all of this, I've always wanted to be, uh, do more. I always wanted to do more. And I participated in a couple of competitions. I, I was really interested into choreographing. So during this really dark time, I find choreographing really quite soothing actually it's quite a different creative part of me so I decided to participate in this um, choreographic competition and I ended up winning it and that made me insanely happy because throughout this really dark time I managed to find something that I was good at you know obviously 
I'm not saying I was really crap at Bali, but I wasn't, I recognized in myself that I wasn't trying as much because if you're, it all starts in your mind. If you're not happy with your mind, you can't be in peace with the rest of your body. That's how I see it now. But, yes. um, so I was really happy about this. And I also participated in a competition in New York. It was YGP. And I worked hard for that as well. Variation. That was extra work on top of the work I was already doing. But I've always, always pushed myself to do more, even even if I was absolutely crap with myself in my second year. So I did this extra work for variations to bring to New York. And I went there. Obviously, I, I knew I wasn't confident in myself. I did it anyway. And I remember at the end of this competition, we had to all sit in the audience and they would call out like the top 12 of the ballet category and the contemporary category and so on, right? And there were hundreds of participants to this to this competition. And I went there like, oh, I'm just doing, just doing this for the lols. This is like, God knows this what's <laughs> going to happen on stage. I really had no confidence in myself whatsoever. And I was sitting in the audience and everyone's dressed so glamorous with like heels, dresses, because they would eventually get called on stage for the top 12 of the categories. And I'm sitting there in my trainers and my baggies. My hair is, I can't even describe to you, I was an absolute mess. And I get called on stage for both categories, ballet and contemporary. <laughs> I, I could not believe it because, I, as I said, I had no confidence. I thought I did an absolute crap job on stage. And I ended up getting caught and everyone's, and we're in this line, I still have pictures. I think I actually had to untag myself on Facebook. I looked horrendous. So there's this line of 12 beautiful dancers and heels, beautiful dresses. And I'm there stuck in my trainers and my jog- joggies because I did not see this coming at all. So again, that, that really, between this and the choreographic competition, which was, I then had a chance to design costumes and lightings for the show that was going to be put in at the end of the year that really wow. helped my confidence because even though I wasn't doing well mentally I still pushed through it and wanted to do more and if I did put myself if I did um put my whole to it I would succeed you know because I, I did really work hard for it so that's I started getting better mentally that way because I recognized in myself that small bit of self-confidence did start to grow a bit. Daniela, I think you should totally embrace those photos because <laughs> it seems like it was just an absolute symbol of just where you were at at that time. You know, the, the fact that you were in your doggies and your trainers and your hair scraped back and you're thinking everybody else is around you looking glamorous, but you were looking like you had grafted and you'd put the effort in and you'd gathered any sort of, kind of ounce of self-confidence you had and you'd thrown yeah. it into the mix and you'd totally nailed it. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm chuffed that you were in your job as a The thing is, I went straight to McDonald's for, like, comfort eating after this uh, competition. So I probably still had, like, ketchup on my freaking T-shirt or whatever on that stage. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. To be fair, I've seen pictures of you, Daniela. I'm pretty sure you would have still looked very glamorous. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I love that story though. I just, I'm, I'm, I know you can't see me, but I'm grim for you to hear because I just think it's important to reach out if you have mental health issues. And, you know, you're saying that now that it was, 
it was difficult to do that but also you know you can find the strength within yourself as well that it is there it's just about finding it when you're at your lowest yeah 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 absolutely oh I know some dark times there and then um I really picked myself up during the summer between my second year and my third year of training uh I didn't have a summer that year because I when I did find that little bit more confidence I went for every single summer course I could find that summer so I didn't stop at all then I went through into my third year I felt really strong physically and I felt stronger mentally as well but I know deep down I did still have that little voice in my head in third year I was very lucky to be able to participate not participate like I was called to tour with Scottish Valley for two of their um their tours so I did their Hansel and Gretel tour and I also did their Cinderella winter tour which that was absolutely an amazing opportunity for for me and I'm really thankful for it it was so rewarding because it really gave you an insight to what professional um, dancers life what would really be like out there because it's very different you're training and then once you get a job it's, it's so different it's really really different And that gave me a great insight into it at the beginning of my third year. So I had time to prepare myself for, you know, upcoming contracts that would possibly come up. Yeah, going into the big bad world of being a professional dancer. Yeah, exactly. So that was was really good. Um, I started third year in a good place, but I, I felt again as time was passing. I think because I had such a bad time in that, in that place in my second year that when I went back into my third year even though I was stronger I was starting to dip again I don't know why but even when I go back now sometimes into the studios there it's like a black cloud that just comes over me it's such it's so scary actually how going returning to a place you you feel you have the same feelings again it is it was such a trigger So I really, really didn't want to go back into the state that I was. And I decided, whatever contract I get first, I am out of here. I can, I cannot be as bad as I was again. And I knew if I could finish the year again, I would not be able to. I, I could feel myself already at the edge of going for it again. I really didn't want to get to this place again. So um, after the Scottish Ballet Tour, that finished. and. I started doing some auditions after and I have to say I was very very lucky in my auditioning process I was never I never ever left an audition in a bad mood I have to say I always got to the last five people and I really don't know and it's probably bad for myself as well that I've never been chucked out the first round because I started gaining so much confidence at this point and I got to the last five. I remember one audition specifically. There was 300 people there that day. And then this was over three days. So there was probably about three, six, nine hundred people there in total. And I got to the end five. And the what? guy was like, I really, really like you, he said. But this is why I kept you up until the end. But I noticed there was one difference between me and the five girls out there that I looked very... European and that's exactly what he said and he said I really like you dancing and I really want to hire you but I wanted a blonde dancer he said to me <laughs> I'm like 
this is shocking that not only it's not even your talent is involved anymore it's even your appearance because I looked to a European slash Italian for him he wanted someone like British blonde or whatever like really light-skinned and Wow, I'm like you're freaking joking! You could have literally told me that. I'm at this point. I would rather you just chuck me out the first round. Don't get my hopes up. Yeah. So, um, I did about five or six auditions, and I was really, really happy with them. And I, you gain so much knowledge from auditioning as well. A bit. It is horrible. I absolutely hate auditioning. But again, fake it till you make it. You know, fake that confidence till you make it. Yeah. No pain, no gain. That's that's that all I keep saying in my head. And the auditions, fake it till you make it. I'm, I'm absolutely shitting myself. But you don't need to know that. Get that smile on and head up and let's go. Yeah, I, like, I probably don't even know the exercise, but I'm sticking myself to the front, whether you like it or not. Improv, yeah. So, um, but that... Um, was over and I ended up auditioning in Wales for um, one of the the leading ballet company in Wales and um, I got the job straight that evening when I finished the audition I had a chat with the director he was really happy to have me Um, that was a really really cool audition actually that stuck stuck up to me a bit because it was really different from the other ones there was a bit of pop music in there as well it was very it's very diverse kind of audition I really liked it I had so much fun in that audition like genuine fun I actually didn't need to fake it till you make it motto you know I really loved that audition so I accepted straight away and that was great for me because that meant that I could leave the conservatory straight away (laughs) this sounds really harsh no, you just were obviously ready to move I'm on. I'm so ready for it. Yeah, I mean, you're not nailing an audition and, and being asked to join a, a ballet company in Wales if you're not ready. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I was so ready for it. And again, I just didn't... It probably would have been very beneficial beneficial for me to finish those four months of training at the conservatoire because, you know, you're still in training. It's best if you just finish the damn thing, you know. But, um, no, my uh, teachers were very keen on me going as well I was ready I just didn't want to even for my own self-satisfaction like finish your finish these bloody four months and that's it but then I was like I don't want to get into this dark place again so I might as well just leave because I might lose this contract if I tell him to wait so I left straight away and I started my first job in April and honestly that I had the best year this was last year by the way this was 2019 yes um I had the best year of my life probably I had so much fun that that year I met the people were great um it was such a diverse because yes it was ballet but I I'm also very passionate about contemporary um I feel very I feel like I'm a very strong versatile dancer because I came from a background of jazz pop I feel like I could move in any kind of way I'm I feel quite confident that way I'm not just strong in ballet I feel strong in other um genres as well yeah which is really important yeah. for longevity in your career as well and when you were saying about choreography I think that's that's great as well because it's one thing being able to dance beautifully and being such a strong dancer but choreography and going into that world that's you know that's a whole other realm it's not everyone that can or is drawn to choreography you've got to be adaptable to different bodies and different ways yes. of moving it's not just stick to your own thing we're all very different mm. especially how the ballet industry is um going ahead now it's very difficult to find um 
a company out there that does only and exclusively ballet full stop yeah. there's a lot of versatility out there now you've got to be you have to get out of your comfort zone and this is for anyone who's wanting to get into ballet or whatever you've really got to get out of your comfort zone because no one just does ballet yeah. I mean like years and years ago I got to go to ballet romber for a week as part of like professional oh that's brilliant love it then the particular piece they were working on, I mean, this was absolutely years ago. The choreography was a mix of so many different styles and it was just beautiful to see how that all came together and how the ballet complemented all the other styles that were being put into this piece yeah. of dance, you know. And, yeah, like you say, it's it's important to have all of those influences um, behind you for, for your career moving forward so you have options, you have other things that you can yeah, explore. Absolutely. And it's just about doing, because there's so many talented people out there now, more and more people coming up with very original ideas and there's so much out there and it's difficult to find something new that probably someone else has never done. I have another passion as well. It's really weird. I really like, I find voguing absolutely beautiful or like I find, especially now during lockdown, I've been looking up like some voguing stuff where I love arm choreography. I absolutely love these kinds of things. So I'm trying to like mash two different, completely different styles together because I have the ballet technique and I'm also trying to introduce some different um, genres into what I already know. It's you've got to be different these days. You've got to find something new that interests people, I feel. Yeah, and your training doesn't stop, although obviously you were ready to, to go and do it professionally. you Every day should be a yeah. field day. You, it's important to keep that learning, yeah, challenging absolutely. yourself, like you were saying. You Up until the point where you left the conservatoire, all you'd been doing was challenging yourself and learning. And yeah. So why wouldn't that continue into your career? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I was also noticed from, I did another competition in my third year, um, as well as BBC Young Dancer. Yes, I've, I've seen some of the footage. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. So that, was, that was amazing as well. That was another boost in confidence for me because I never thought I'd get to the final five. And that was just such an incredible experience as well. Very scary because not only you're performing in front of an audience and not only it's a competition, but you're also on TV. <laughs> so yes. it, it was a really, really good experience for in general for life because without all these experiences I wouldn't be who I am right now I feel so I'm really thankful for the ups and especially the downs as well even though you don't want to consider them but they're so important in anyone's journey as well but that so that was really really beneficial for me so when I started this um my first job oh my gosh I I, I really really found myself and that's when I, I was completely my true self, I feel, because I was a different person in the conservatoire, I feel. I was just very, I know now that I'm a very bubbly person. I've always have been, but I've always hid that a bit. So I had this incredible year with, I had so many new friends. I loved, the, the, I had different work I was doing and I had the chance. We were touring for Romeo and Juliet. And I had an incredible opportunity to be Juliet for the full year. So that was really, really incredible for me. So not only I had the chance to develop my ballet, but I also had to learn how to act. Because 
it's quite, it's a really challenging ballet to do, especially that I'm straight out of school. Give me a chance. Let me do something smaller first and I'll build up to it, you know. But I went straight into it. <laughs> I love that. But you just totally embraced every challenge. It sounds like you're like, okay, that's fine. I'll just give it a go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's a bit like that. Obviously, there's been so many people throughout your ballet career thus far in your dance career that have saw the potential in you and saw the talent and obviously the work ethic as well people that have seen you through your career thus far they've all saw something in you whether you necessarily don't see it in yourself sometimes yeah yeah I know but that's I guess we're we're dancers we're perfectioners you know (laughs) we will never look at ourselves and be like yeah that's really good no that that just doesn't happen (laughs) we're so um, critical of our work <laughs> that's good you know because there's always room for improvement that way but yeah I had an incredible year last year it was a bomb of opportunities I had another chance to choreograph as well um, and then I got the I auditioned during a break I auditioned for um, English National Ballet Swan Lake and I was meant to start that in May but then COVID decided to <laughs> come in our lives and <laughs> ruin it a little bit. So yeah, that would have been an amazing opportunity. But um, I decided to, when I got this um, small contract with English National, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm, I was really fine in Wales, but um, I really wanted to see what was out there because I'm, I'm young, you know, I'm 21. I just turned 21 and I don't want to stay still in one place. Now that I'm young, I love traveling. That's a great passion of mine. Mm. I really want to travel the world as much as I can. And especially with the job that I have, I have the possibility to do that and explore a little more. So I decided to take on the opportunity, go a bit here and there and just meet new people. I love meeting new people, new exploring new places. So I decided to take on the opportunity um, with English National, but we'll see how it goes. You know, see if oh, they manage to put on the on the show again when all this is over. Hopefully, yeah. But I, I massively admire you. You know, you're saying you're twenty. You you've just turned twenty one, and I'm like, you have achieved so <laughs> much. So much. So it seems to me like you've just got the, the absolute right attitude, and that you are grateful for every opportunity that you've had. Um, you've got an, you know, an amazing oh, yeah. work ethic and you know you're, you're open and honest about your experience thus far and to, to be able to do that put yourself because it's vulnerability takes a certain level of maturity to to speak your truth yeah yeah absolutely I'm as you said I'm I really really am grateful for everything that's happened to me absolutely everything I'm really thankful for my family and especially my parents who have sacrificed a lot for me in my life in general and one thing that I have learned a lot through everything is I've changed a lot of my view on ballet and kind of life in general especially since I left my training I've started to view myself first of all as a human before that I'm a dancer because a lot of people assume your name oh yeah she's the, the ballet dancer one one-dimensional that's it you do that it's like a label you do that exactly exactly and first of all you're a human you're a human a person with feelings you're an individual that has a personality and then you're a dancer for me I think that's very important because there's a lot I see a lot of dancers out there as well that I see a lot on auditions as well they could be incredible dancers 
but if you show the panel that you have no personality, that you're just a robot, no one wants to work with that, I feel. And it's about showing yourself. I really do. I really have grown this part away because I see it in myself. I've been through it myself. I wasn't myself in the last two, three years while I was training. I found myself when I left. I feel like I'm a complete different person. I'm a human. I've recognized that I'm a human first before that I'm a dancer. I think that's very, that was a really important turning point in my head for me. And if this could help any dancers out there, like, first of all, you, you're an individual. So take care of yourself as an individual. Take care of your mind and a little TLC, you know, you need that. And then you can move on to whatever you want because if you really put your hold to it you can achieve it you've just got to have that little bit more self-confidence and really believe in what yourself and what you can do because you can oh Danila you've just nailed it you know it's all part of your journey and wherever you go next and whatever you do will just be adding to who Danila is you are yeah yeah Yes, it's like yes, the roadmap absolutely. of your life. And like you say, it's important to embrace everything that's happened to you, good and bad, because absolutely. it's left its mark on you and it makes you who you are. Yes, absolutely. That That's the most important thing. And not just in dance, in any career at all. Anyone. Absolutely anyone. Just be human. Be you. <laughs> I love it. And that the thing is, you're in a creative industry. If you can't be you and put your own ideas forward and bring out your personality you know, you're, you're on stage to express yourself, yourself. and to yeah. yeah, and to tell stories through yep. movement. And yeah, it's really important to let your light shine through and like you say, not just be this vessel. Yep. It's really helpful for anyone out there that has that ha- has had problem and, and you have your ups and downs. It's it is it's so it's so great. I'm I'm really glad I managed to speak about this as well because. I don't really get, this is the first time I've probably spoken about my journey to mm-hmm. someone, you know, even because you don't really go out there and just say, oh yeah, so this happened and then this happened. You know, people know you, but they don't, do they really know you? You know, it's, it's this was really, really great for me. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you. I mean, <laughs> obviously I, we've never met, we've never had a discussion. I knew nothing about yeah. your experience and yeah. I went off of beautiful pictures and Instagram and footage of you but that's what I love about this podcast is that I get to hear that the real story from the person yeah, you get to dig down deep I guess and you know that no one's path is linear and it isn't just straightforward know, because that's story. what you see on social media that's what yeah. you see we all just put our highlights up there why would we want to put our lows we want to appear in a certain way and in a way, social media is really crap for that because all you see on social media is the perfect lives that everyone has because you only see the top parts. You know, you don't see any of the lows. But that's why we need to try and embrace those lows because everyone has them. Just and if, if you're telling your story on this podcast helps one person, then yeah. it's all worth it. Exactly. It's so worth it. And that's the thing. That's also another thing I wanted to add. Um, I've been oh, recently. I opened up to my parents about my journey because I didn't really, I didn't really speak to them much about my lows at all in training either. I'm very to myself about it. I wanted to get over it myself. I don't want, I don't want anyone else. I don't want to put my weight on someone else's shoulders, kind of thing. You know, I just like get deal with deal with it yourself, kind of thing. And recently, I have opened up to my parents about it, and 
you know, they, they, you need to speak up about it. Yeah, and sometimes you don't give credit to the people around you. You think, oh, that'll be a burden or that'll upset them too much or they won't be able to handle it. And actually you realise that people are stronger, including yourself, than you yeah. give them credit for. And that opening up allows other people to open it, up it, too. Yeah, and, exactly. And be honest about their experience because sometimes even the people that are closest to you don't realise what they've been through. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's been really, really good from for them to know as well, so for them to know their own daughter as well because I'm not a stranger. And I know they're very, very proud of me because not everyone gets to leave home at 19, 20 and go in the big bad world and to work, you know. it's But you've got to be very... Um, got to really stick up for yourself out there because I remember even, my mum tells me a lot because I travel a lot and I managed to get from A to B quite easily because you know you have the help of Google Maps and you, you ask people and she's like how do you do that like, I can't even get to the to Sainsbury's without putting on my Google Maps kind of thing you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you learn things you know it's it's such a life journey and my dad asked me when I opened up about it would you do all this again? Because this sounds horrible, what you've been through, you know. I was like, hell yeah, I would do this again. And and you're like, you're absolutely crazy. He's like, why would you want to do something so horrible to yourself and still fight through it? You know, there's easier things out there that you can do that wouldn't have to affect you mentally as much and physically as much. And I was like, I didn't really know how to answer that question because you're right why would I want to do this to myself but I love it so much that I would go through this again as many times as I need to in order for me to have it and be where I am right now because even with this lockdown um it's difficult to see the the light at the end of the tunnel I guess because yeah oh it's horrible but how am I going to get out of this am I going to be as good as I was before and you know a dancer is a dancer it's a hard time for a dancer right now but I've really realized with this break that this really is what I want to do. I really want to do this for as long as I can in my life and then move on to still connect to dance, obviously maybe teach or I don't know, something along those lines. But I've really realized that this is what I want to do. So I'm, I would definitely go through everything because it really made me into the person and dancer that I am today. Daniela, thank you so much for your honesty. I, I'm just... I'm amazed. I think you're awesome. Thank I mean, you so much. just it's been so wonderful to hear your story, and just I really do appreciate you being so honest. And I will make an effort to in the show notes of the the podcast maybe put some helpful links for anyone in terms Absolutely. of mental health. Absolutely, that would stuff. be brilliant. I, I can't no, thank you. Thank enough. you for having me. Honestly, this has been really, really great. Oh, I mean, you're just—I I know you're just going to soar, and whatever you go into next, you're just—I mean. You're incredibly talented and you've just got such a great attitude and your honesty will go a long way as well, I think, you know, it really I will. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Now, I didn't tell you about this, but there are a list of questions that I call the thingamabobs mm-hmm. and I have selected a few for you if you would indulge okay. me. Absolutely. Oh, I hope I can answer these. <laughs> so my first question to you is, what is your go-to movie if you need cheating oh, up? gosh. Can I just say I'm really bad with movies? <laughs> right, okay. I do have one. Yeah, I know so many of my friends. Like, have you watched this? Have you watched this? 
like no I've literally never I even bought the Netflix once to force myself to watch something but I just don't watch it but anyway I do have um a movie that does spring to mind is this is more for motivation and um to kind of push forward this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous because I am a ballet dancer but this movie is about a rapper <laughs> it's about Eminem and this eight mile the movie's eight mile I don't know if you've watched it I had the makeup artist from 8 Mile on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. joking. He got in touch to say he discovered the podcast and really enjoyed it. And I just kind of was a bit brave and said, do you want to come on the podcast? That is insane. Oh, look at this. He's even connected. (laughs) So there you go. His name's Donald Mowat and he's a lovely, lovely man. And he did the makeup on 8 Mile. Oh my God. That is absolutely insane. I just, I love the movie. And I can rap to perfectly to some of Eminem's songs. Close friends of me do know this. (laughs) But um, he's got to be versatile these days, you know? Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Obviously, for probably people that are listening that don't know about the movie, it's it's just about the journey of Eminem, the rapper that literally came from nothing. He had nothing. He was living in like this little camper, isn't it? Absolutely nothing. And he was bullied and everything. All sorts of horrible problems. And to, to see his journey to where he is right now, I thought that was absolutely a very inspirational movie. And Kind of keeps you going you know like he can if he can do that where he is now and he came for absolutely nothing then i can overcome this little problem kind of thing <laughs> love that it's such a good film actually you're making me want to go back and watch it because i haven't seen it for years love that yes what's one story that someone in your family retells about you time and time again so it could be something from like your childhood like one of those stories you're like oh give it a rest are they telling that one again oh yeah I do actually have one I had this was quite cute because I was very quite innocent so I was probably about five and I was trying to write in English and I was writing a letter and my mum was in the house I don't know what I was trying to write but I couldn't spell the word perfect so I go up to my mum and I ask her mum how do you spell perfect and she goes D-A-N, I'm like, no, 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 mum, perfect, P. And she goes, D-A-N-I-L-A. I'm like, mum, no, perfect, P, P. <laughs> I had no idea what she was on about. So, so cute. I thought this was so cute. It took me ages to get I'm like, what are you saying? Like, mum, shut up. <laughs> So she always says this to me sometimes. It's really cute. Only a mum can do that. I know it's just the cheesy mum thing. You know, you get dad jokes and then you get just mums embarrassing. It's it's cute though. It's cute. Love it. Love that story. (laughs) Um, What would be your mastermind specialist subject? Now that's a good question. I've been, I'm doing a new course. I'm getting a new degree and I'm going to be a personal trainer and a qualified nutritionist. Daniela, is there nothing you can't do? I can't stay still. <laughs> Honestly, I can't just sit and not do anything. I need to do something. So I'm doing this at the moment, and uh, I'm getting quite a lot of knowledge on um, internal, like biology. It's, it's quite a mix of. There's a lot of law in it as well. There's um, biology. There's a lot of nutrition things. So at the moment, I'm I'm feel like I have quite a lot of knowledge on. Um, the active side of yourself and the mm. body so I'm getting a lot of information that's really helpful 
Oh, I'm so chuffed that you had, uh, asked you that question else. I wouldn't have known that about you, see? I've got two more for you yeah. if, if, if you can handle oh, my cool. Right, so my penultimate question is, what is your favourite view? Oh, I love the sea at night. That is my absolute... I love it. I love them... Um, landscape like sky my perfect view my like my perfect evening would be going to the beach at night seeing the sunset and it slowly yes. gets dark and you see the moon go up and you kind of depending on what period it is like during the month like you never know what shape the moon's going to be until you actually see it I think that's just beautiful and you see a reflection of it in the sea I think it's it's beautiful and you get so much peace for it from it as well the simple things in life as well they're probably the most feeling to me as well I don't need anything very complex to keep me happy I'm happy with small simple things I love that's a little pleasure in life for me <laughs> love that and so that was lovely and the question that I ask everyone so I switch up all the other questions but this is the the, the one that mm-hmm. is at the end of the podcast is what is your favorite Scottish word or phrase oh <laughs> Oh my gosh, right, there's something. <laughs> I'm just going to really embarrass myself. But I feel like I have a little bit lost my Scottish accent because when I moved to Wales, there was a lot of English people, there's a lot of like nationalities there. And I did have a strong Scottish accent and I have lost, I am aware of that. But <laughs> they would always make fun of my accent when I went into work. And they would be like, say something, say something Scottish. So I would try to teach them how to say something about fish and chips. So it would just be like, oh, go get me a fish and chips, will you? <laughs> it would be something like that. I don't think you've lost your Scottish accent. I can definitely hear it in there, Daniela. <laughs> it, was, it was stronger. It was stronger. Were you more weedy when you were in Glasgow? Yeah, yeah. I would probably go for like, oh, the canny, what were you, what you doing? You know, like, <laughs> I would really go full on and I was like, I need to watch my language. People do not know what the hell I'm saying. So I had to fix that. Daniela, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And um, I, I wish you all the best for anything that you're taking on next. And um. And I really do appreciate you taking the time when you're in beautiful Italy and you could be out in the sunshine and you're <laughs> stuck indoors talking to me. But um, hopefully we'll meet one day in real life. Absolutely, I would love to. So I'll be heading to Glasgow soon at some point. So I would be happy to have another chat. That would be lovely. Let's grab a, a cup and, a <laughs> and I'll see you in real life. I get to see, when we all get to see people in actual real life. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.